Greetings from a much cooler place. <laughs> oh, wow, the Green Mountain State is not at all this warm ever. And what a joy to be here with you this afternoon to celebrate the life and ministry of Barbara Clementine Harris, suffragan bishop of the Diocese of Massachusetts and the first woman bishop of the Anglican Communion. And just look at what is happening here. Your bishop, Jennifer, is the first woman bishop of the Diocese of Arizona. I know you already knew that, but I have to say it. I am the first black woman bishop of the Diocese of Vermont and the first black woman diocesan in Province One, that is New England. Mary Adelia McLeod was the ninth bishop of Vermont, and she was the first woman diocesan bishop. Now, all this geeky Episcopal church trivia actually means something. We belong to a growing community of, of the first woman to do a thing. But it's not just remarkable that we are first. I also want to note, when we said yes to our call, so did other people of faith, people in the Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement, said yes also. This was and is a communal effort. And none of us said, let's try something new because we want it to be known for doing something unusual. But in these commitments, we all responded to the Holy Spirit. We have the added bonus, or more aptly stated, we have the added responsibility to be aware of how in our commitments we embody the work of conciliation reconciliation, and justice. This gathering commemorating Bishop Barbara Harris with two bishops and each and every one of you was a long time in the making. And what you see here is not normal yet. This moment we have created by our gathering here is a glimpse of God's dream that the fullness and beauty of God's creation should be experienced, seen, and supported by the church so that we, the church, may lead others to seek justice and offer prophetic hospitality and welcome. 
This moment we have created by our gathering here required stones to be rolled away. On the first day of the week at early dawn, the women who journeyed with Jesus came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. The women at the empty tomb were not faint of heart. It took tremendous commitment and courage to travel with Jesus and to listen to his teachings. It took supernatural fortitude to stay with Jesus until he breathed his last breath. The woman at the empty tomb had lived with the constraints of a shame and honor-based society that said women only had value based on the men to whom they were related. With Jesus, though, the women saw new possibilities for themselves and their communities. With Jesus, they had value in God's eyes. And I always wonder what went through their minds, those faithful women, when they discovered Jesus had risen from the dead. You know, and if you just read the Bible, it doesn't seem like they wasted much time before going to tell others about Jesus' resurrection. But I'm sure, I guarantee you, they talked with each other before they left the empty tomb. I imagine a string of questions something like this. Should we tell the other disciples that Jesus is raised from the dead? Will the men accept this news from us? Will they believe us? And does it matter? Will we let the probability that they won't believe us be a barrier to us living our call to tell this good news? And our gospel says, Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. What does it mean to be the first? When someone carries the ministry of being the first, it means they roll the stone away for others, opening up new possibilities for abundant life, and they embody hope and vision. Throughout salvation history, God calls unexpected people so that we can see the fullness of God's power. What the women in today's gospel and Bishop Barbara Harris teach us about God through their actions and words is just as important as the fact that in their bodies, they show us the breadth and creativity of the divine's imagination. Through them, God expands our notions of who is called and who is worthy, and how we might find the path to God's dream. God came to dwell among us as in human form, taking up residence in Mary's womb. Mary was the first to know Jesus. Mary prayed with Jesus first. Mary loved Jesus first. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women witnessed the labor of Jesus' death and gestation in the womb of the grave, learned of his new birth, and announced Jesus is risen. They were the first to know Christ. 
Blessed Bishop Barbara's ministry of being a first helped the church to grow in our understanding and commitment to be a church of integrity. The church quickly realized, even though Bishop Barbara was suffragan bishop of Massachusetts, being the first woman bishop of the Anglican Communion meant she was a bishop and witness for the whole church. The justice issues for which she advocated gained wider exposure. Her presence and activism prophetically challenged the church to love justice, do mercy, and walk humbly with our God. It was not easy for any of these women who answered God's call to be a first. Our church, our church, made it very difficult for Bishop Barbara Harris to be faithful to, her, to the call on her life. She was a crucifer for the ordination of the Philadelphia 11. More geeky, um, you know, information. It's, it's important now. So she was at this ordination of the first 11 women ordained as Episcopal priests in 1974. But women's ordination wasn't recognized in the Episcopal Church until 1976. The church provided obstacles to Bishop Barbara Harris's priestly ordination, objections to her election, consecration, and ordination as bishop. She received hate mail and death threats from people who claimed to be guided by the Holy Spirit, claimed to love Jesus, and who claimed to be children of God. All the stones, all the barriers put up against Bishop Barbara Harris and women were not just barriers to them, but they were barriers to the church being who we are called to be. All the stones were barriers to us living into God's dream for us. All the stones were barriers to us living our mission and witness to a world in need of healing and justice. Those stones needed to be rolled away so that we could more fully experience and have resurrection life. The church has changed tremendously since Bishop Barbara Harris became a priest. The Episcopal Church has more women priests, and there aren't very many dioceses who openly limit their participation in seeking holy orders, but women priests are not usually called to larger congregations or compensated at the same level as men. The House of Bishops also is very different from when Bishop Barbara Harris first entered it, but women bishops are still a novelty. We still have barriers. We still have stones which need to be rolled away so that more people can see themselves as called and worthy and welcome. People with the ministry of being the first and from the margins of society teach us about how to be the church we dream of. And since they know what it feels like to be excluded, shouldn't we look to them to lead us in our efforts to be an inclusive church and justice-seeking church? We can't just talk, talk about or say we want to be an inclusive church because, you know, we spend lots of time at General Convention making up all kinds of resolutions, saying we're going to do all kinds of amazing things. 
hours, years of saying we're going to be inclusive. People have to see it. They have to see it. If there had not been the example of other women like Bishop Barbara Harris, how many people would not have seen possibilities? And I remember meeting Bishop Barbara Harris for the first time, and I was taken aback by her powerful and tiny stature. I met her at a conference, which is, you know, doesn't happen anymore, for the organization of black Episcopal seminarians. It was a mixed group from all different seminaries, and I remember uh, that was where I first met Bishop-elect Paula Clark, and there were others in attendance, and Bishop Dion of, of Missouri was a guest speaker, and he was newly ordained, talking to us about what it was like. And I remember Bishop Barbara saying that people thought the church was going to die because she became a bishop. And then she went on to say, now they're claiming the same thing about full inclusion of gay people. If the church didn't die then, it's not going to happen now because we include gay people as priests or bishops. We're still here arguing over who can be included and excluded. I marveled at how her grace and sense of humor weren't harmed by the threats and animosity she experienced. And we were all amazed and inspired by her story and the way in which she showed and spoke so clearly and with integrity about how the church is called to seek justice. So faithfully, over the span of her ministry, she continued to roll the stone away for so many. And after meeting Bishop Barbara Harris for the first time, upon seeing her several years later, I was surprised that she remembered me. And when I was doing research on black woman priests in the Episcopal Church, she was generous with her time and support. With an encouraging word, insight, and humor, every time I saw her, she inspired me to live into my call. And the last time I saw her was at my consecration on October 28th in 2019, and it was her last big event. And at the dinner the night before, she made her way to my table to greet me and my parents. My dad is a retired priest. Of course, every time I saw her, she asked about him, asked about the family. And at that time, she asked about our four-month-old baby that she met at the Organization of Black Episcopal Seminarians Conference and wondered how she was doing all these years later. And then she said, I had to be here. I felt so honored. The thing is, I don't know if she had to be there on that day because she already was there. I know she had had many personal conversations with people in that room. I tell you, there had never been that many black people in Vermont, probably, and certainly not at any Episcopal church event. Oh, we filled that place. But I know that she had had personal conversations with so many people in that room who came to celebrate with us, with me and our diocese. And in her public life and witness, she was already with me and all the other women and left out people who needed an example to look up to, showing us what is possible 
not just for ourselves, but for the church. I'm always reminded of her insistence on her call to remember the least, the lost, and the left out. And as the commonly quoted Bishop Barbara Harris phrase goes, we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. She reminds us we must model our own life and ministries not just on the example of Jesus' first unlikely witnesses, but also on the possibilities an invitation offered to us by the rock which was moved so that we might know God's power to give us life. Bishop Barbara Harris advocated not just for civil rights for women and black people, but she also advocated for the full inclusion of the LGBT community and anyone, anyone relegated to the margins of society. And Bishop Barbara's elevation as bishop or any other woman's ability to attain ordination or leadership in the church is not and never was about uplifting a black woman, but instead in true womanist theory, her elevation and leadership was about lifting those within her care and concern and the church being lifted to a place of resurrection life. My siblings, I tell you, the world would have us remain in death, remain in the tomb, but we must roll away the stones of racism, white supremacy, economic and educational disparity, sexism, prejudice against those differently abled. I'm on a roll and could keep on going, but you get the picture. The stones need to be rolled away. We are not called to be held back by division, pitting us against each other as if there isn't enough for all of us to thrive. Because you see, the more we include, the more we increase and experience God. It's not gonna run out. The stones need to be rolled away. Jesus' resurrection removed the stone allowing these women to be the first to know and testify that not even death can stop God's work to heal our world. What could stop the women from sharing this good news? Gender, socioeconomic standing, educational attainment, societal norms? And who can deny the honor bestowed on them? And why would they? Why would anyone argue with what God has ordained? We must learn from and whom God chooses to reveal God's self. We must learn from how and whom God chooses to reveal God's self. As we celebrate the life and ministry of Bishop Barbara Harris, let us strive to be the ones who roll the stone away for others. It is not the easiest thing to do, and it is not something we ever do alone. The woman at the empty tomb and Bishop Barbara Harris were rooted in a community of faith, rooted in faith practices that strengthened them for their life following Jesus. They committed to telling the truth even if and when others did not want to hear it 
or accepted. They made a commitment to show up and be present. They modeled what it means to love Jesus. And through your ministry with your bishop, you have rolled a stone away. And the commitment you've made to each other, remember the powerful witness you make by being a diverse diocesan household, witnessing to the love of Jesus. And as your bishop leads you in justice work, together you embody this work. As Easter people in this Good Friday world, every opportunity we get, let us roll the stone away, revealing new possibilities for ourselves and our communities. May we all continue to embody hope by taking actions that invite others to experience the breadth and depth of God's creative and abundant goodness.